Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 292. It's the most undervalued marketing channels out there with the biggest return. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there. Welcome to this week's show. It is going to challenge everything you think you know about email marketing. No, I mean, seriously. But before we get into that, I want to update you on what's going on in my private community, Gift Biz Breeze. Each year at this time, we run posts highlighting your holiday products that are available for purchase so we can support each other as we tackle our individual gift lists. Based on the interactions and requests I've seen in this group, we're taking this a step further with the introduction of the Buzz Book. The BuzzBook is a compilation of the small, handmade business owners in the group and provides a way for you to support each other. You can do this by purchasing from each other, of course, but it goes deeper than that. This is a way to connect with people who make a product similar to yours so you can discuss the nuances of your industry. It's a way to easily find and get in touch with fellow breezers in your local area to get together for coffee, or even establish more formal face-to-face networking type meetings. It's also a way to create collaborations. I've seen local brick and mortar shops reach out to regional makers to display their products in store, helping increase visibility during this very challenging time. I've also watched breezers get together and do virtual shopping shows, offering different but compatible products. This allows you to get exposure with other people's audiences. And let's face it, this going live thing is a lot easier when you do it with someone else. The things we can do through our connections together is far greater than what we can achieve on our own. The Buzz Book facilitates that, and it's totally free. For more details and to learn how you can be listed, join the Gift Biz Breeze Facebook group. All the details, along with a video talking more about the program, are right there, separated as a special unit for easy access. The first edition is already out, so you can take advantage of connections right away. Okay, buckle your seatbelts, because today's show is longer than normal. Gabby was providing so much information, I didn't want to stop her. You know, I've been in business for a long time, and to learn completely brand new things is so exciting. I edited down as much as I possibly could, so grab a beverage, and more importantly, set up to take some notes, because you're definitely going to want to. And I'm preparing you now, there will be a test at the end. You probably think I'm kidding. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Gabby Rapone of Email Maverick. Gabby has worked every angle of email marketing, seen the high price of not knowing and the struggle that comes with it. 
So she works to free us from these struggles. Gabby has worked at an email service provider, owned an email service provider, and ran an email agency for 10 years, consulting for brands like As Seen on TV, United Online, and Classmates. Based on all of this experience, she's seen that solving problems with simple solutions is how to optimize email for profit. She's an expert at engagement, open and click rates, and delivery to the inbox. Email Maverick was created because Gabby is convinced you're sitting on a gold mine. You just don't realize it. Oh my gosh, if that hasn't piqued the curiosity of all my listeners, I don't know what would, Gabby. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much. It's really great to be here. I have to tell you that when I was reading what you had submitted for the intro, I was smiling because I'm like, our listeners are going to get so much out of this. I want to start off in our traditional way, and that is by having you share with us a little bit about yourself through a motivational candle. So if you were to create a candle by color and quote that would really resonate with you, what would it look like? That's a great question. In terms of color, definitely I would have a combination of like blue and pink, something like a royal blue and pink. When it comes to the messaging, one of the things I say all the time, especially to clients and students, is your biggest weakness is your greatest strength. And remember that. What does that mean? Basically what that means is, especially with email, so this is why I use it for a lot of my clients because a lot of them, they think email is a weakness for them. They're so good in other areas. Then when they get the email, they're like, well, it's a weakness. Well, no, it's not your weakness. <laughs> it's one of your greatest strengths that once you learn how to use it, it will help you actually build your greatest assets. So you don't have to always rely on tools and advertisements to actually get your message out there and actually profit from it. Mm-hmm. And that's why you also reference it as your gold mine. You're sitting on something so valuable and you don't even know it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Most people don't. Once I show that even people that are doing great now, even people that are making 50 or even $100,000 or even people that are making a million dollars a month, some of my clients, the enterprise clients, just for them to be able to notice that they can double that without actually spending more money and actually doing less, it's incredible. It truly is a goldmine. I think people hear it, they just don't necessarily believe that it is true for them. Well, like I tell a lot of people, because again, there's a lot of people out there that will say, well, email is dead. It doesn't work. And like I tell people all the time, just because you're not able to do something doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It's just because you can't shoot like Michael Jordan doesn't mean that it's not possible. It is definitely possible. So this is why I always tell people, you know, greatest weakness really is your biggest strength because you believe you're weak, but you're not weak. This is actually one of your greatest strengths. Uncapitalized opportunity. Oh, absolutely. It's untapped. It's your best assets. I mean, it's one thing that I always like to tell people or one way that I always like to describe email marketing, because it really is like a game of chess. The online world is like a game of chess where, yes, social media is king. We all know it's king. That's where you gather your leads. That's where people see your content. But just like in chess, the queen protects her king. And that's what email is. Email is a queen. It protects that valuable lead and actually helps you grow this asset because it's the only assets. I mean, email is the only thing that even if you have no business, so you have no product, you can still make money with it being an affiliate, promoting other people's products. So this is why it's so untapped where it's like if you have a business, it's even better. If you have a business, you're building your assets. But even if you don't have a business and you don't have any products, you can still build that asset. You can still build an amazing database of subscribers 
and still market to them and still market products and services and still able to generate revenue that way. So this is why it's, email is, it's the most undervalued, I have to say, undervalued marketing channels out there with the biggest return. Well, and it is a true asset to your business. If you were to sell your business down the line, one of the things they're going to ask you, they're not going to ask you as much about your social media followers because you don't own them, but they are going to ask you about your customer lists, prospects and customers. Oh, absolutely. Huge asset for your business. So before we get too far down the road here, take me back into your entrance into email being your focus overall. I'm the youngest of four immigrant parents. And when you're the youngest of four and everyone has grown up and you're basically almost the forgotten child, you learn basically that the best way to get what you want is to, number one, learn how things work and learn how people work. And I was always fascinated with trying to understand, like, what is it that made people tick? Like, what is it that made people choose something? What made them decide something? And I was always fascinated with that, which basically led me towards marketing because I was always fascinated with that. And I was figuring out, what do I do? Do I become a psychologist? I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to spend the next 15 years trying to get a degree. (laughs) And on top of that, too, I was like, I like to make money. And let's face it, psychology, you're not going to be making as much money. So I was like, well, what's the next best thing? And of course, it's marketing. Marketing is pretty much 98% all psychology. Then, of course, there's the economic side of it. So that's what basically led me into marketing. Now, I kind of fell into the ESP kind of like in a weird way, like a lot of things. I was trying to go for a marketing job, couldn't get the marketing job. I ended up taking a job at an email service provider. That's basically where I started my focus in terms of really, really focused more on the marketing aspect. Because with email, like people don't realize this with email, but email is attached to everything. When you buy something, when you purchase something, there is a record of everything that is attached to your email address. And on top of that, too, unlike social media, you can't actually tell who's engaging with what. You get numbers based on engagement, but you have no face of who's actually doing what unless someone's actually commenting on your stuff that you can actually see. But with email, there's this unbelievable profile that you can build because you can see everything that people engage with. You can see what people buy. You can see what people are interested in. You can see what people value and you can really tap all into that. And that's always what's really, really fascinated me because, yes, at the end of the day, people want to sell products. And for me, I always look at that as a byproduct because I don't work on the sales side. Email for us, what we do, we always teach people is really understanding your users. It's like anything else. If you really, really want to maximize profit, you have to understand your audience. You have to understand your people. They're not all the same. They're going to have different levels. They're coming in at different times. So it's important to understand where these people are and what they value. And how they got to you, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because they all come to you in a different way. Like some people, I'm thinking for our audience, some people will come because they dropped their name in your bucket at a craft show, physical show. Some people came because they signed up because they wanted something that you're offering online, whether it was a discount or a freebie of some sort or whatever. And some people came because they're customers. I love the fact that you're already talking about dividing the audience. I wanted to make that comment for people who are listening here just to further clarify in their mind what you're talking about. So this all came to light to you when you were working at an email service provider. Correct. Yeah. When I was working at an email service provider, I was like, I didn't know anything because it was very, very technical back in the day. It's not like it's now where it's kind of turnkey because that's what you see on the front ends. But that's where I basically fell into it because I was like, well, wait a minute, I can see everything. And from there, what I loved most was the fact that, and I'm going to use the wrong word. I hate using this word manipulation because basically what you're able to do once you're able to understand your audience is you're able to basically 
I don't want to say manipulate once again, but you're able to basically direct them to a certain action. And that's the part that I fell in love with because it was like, wow, okay, so now that we understand the user, we can create these actions, which again, help to build that better asset. Because at the end of the day, what most people don't realize, if you're not hitting the inbox, people don't see your message. Let's get into that in a minute. But I think you hesitate on that word. You're the expert, so you're going to correct me if I'm wrong. But what you're doing is you're making sure that you're delivering information to different sets of people based on how they found you, what would be the next appropriate step in them getting to know you, eventually potentially selling, offering them what you sell, et cetera or in the history of how they've been interacting with emails. So you're actually giving a result to the end user, the person who's going to open the email, that's the most appropriate for them. Correct. Yes. So it's it's more kind of like a conditioning, but at the same time, it's giving us more information too. Because one thing, yes, you had mentioned where people are coming from, and that's important, but we actually go a little step deeper, a little step further because yes, okay, people may have found you at a craft fair or whatever it is, but the more important thing is people came to you for a pain or desire. And that's the critical thing is understanding why did they put that card in the basket? Why did they do that? That's the critical thing because once you're able to get that, and this is what we call tapping the heart. We call this tapping the heart because once you're able to understand what makes people basically tick, it makes them tick. So this is why it's understanding that fundamental of what is it that you're trying to do here? What is that pain or desire that you're trying to relieve? That's the reason why people sign up. People don't sign up to an email list because they're like, oh, I just saw this and you <laughs> just type in my name here. No, you know, they're trying to get a result. Now, I'm not sure do most people in your audience, do they do paid advertisement or is it mostly organic? Not very many people do paid. So organic comes with its own challenges. And we can kind of discuss those challenges because organic, and don't get me wrong, I built organic Facebook pages up to like hundreds of millions of reach. So there's definitely benefit in organic. Absolutely. But it's a very, very important critical thing to actually qualify those organic people to make sure that you're not sitting on a list full of freebie people. Because that's one of the big problems with organic and also kind of low freebie discount type of lists. You're doing like sweepstakes type of deals. It's a big issue where you're building this huge list. But again, it's not about the size of the list. It's about the quality of the list and whether or not people buy at the end of the day, because that's all that's important. So let me just say, like, the way most of my audience, and I'm totally generalizing, obviously, the way people are attracting sales are going out to trade shows for the wholesale business, going to craft shows, church bazaars, that type of thing, if they want to do direct to consumer. So a lot of face-to-face things when we're able, obviously we're still with the COVID situation, but when we're able, a lot of people do that. People also have brick and mortar shops, so they're relying on people walking in the store, participating in local community events that drive visibility to their shops, things like that. When you get to the online perspective, it's having a website up, having sites on multiple platforms. So maybe they have their own website, but they also have an Etsy site. Maybe if they're wholesale, they're also selling through FAIR, which is a wholesale medium for product that lots of retail stores will access. And then social media, I'm still going to say the majority of people, although there are definitely people running ads, are trying to do this organically. And they're still, I'm getting more and more people to be doing lives there, which is helping get visibility. But I'd say 90%, if not higher, are all organic. 
it's what they've done. Now, should they be doing ads? Maybe yes, maybe no, but just so we know how to direct the conversation. I'm going to just generalize it for all our listeners that those are the situations that we have. Sure. There's absolutely nothing wrong with organic. I actually love organic. It's a slight modification, we'll say, in strategy so that you can understand. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is that it's just understanding how the machine works. That's the most important thing is right now there's a big misconception about how the actual email machine works. And once people understand how that works, it's like anything else. It's like, I don't know if you saw that when they did that, the can opener, that viral video of how to properly open up a can opener. And everyone was kind of like blown away in terms of like, wow, this is how you properly do it. I'm not sure if you saw that. Oh, is it the one where like it's positioned, it's supposed to be going like from the side instead of the top or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm just giving you an example like that, but it's kind of like that kind of mind blow. It's like, oh, wow, you know, you thought it was this way when it was really another way. So again, it just goes down to not understanding how things work. This is why one of the focuses that we like to do with Email Maverick is just, again, most people already have the tools to master email. The problem is, is they're just close to about 15 years of misguided information from the email service providers of the world who, again, their only job is to provide a service, which is just like your cable company provides cable, an email service provider, their only job is to send that email. That is it. It's to knock on the door of Gmail and Yahoo and say, look, I have mail. That is their only job. Now, whether or not Gmail lets you in and say, oh, am I going to prioritize you inbox spam or on the online ether somewhere, then that's, again, something that is up to list owner to actually do. This is why there's a lot of misconception in terms of how does email work? Because everyone always asks, well, which ESP should I use? Which one inboxes more? How can I make more money? Which ESP will do more for me? These are so my questions. <laughs> so you have email providers, like you just said, like Gmail, Yahoo, all of those. And then you also have CRMs. So what's the difference between the two and... If I was using something like MailChimp, who is my email service provider? Now I'm confused. Okay. I'll take those questions one by one. An email service provider is a MailChimp. MailChimp, AWeber, Klaviyo. So those are some popular ones. A lot of people in my group have been using Constant Contact. So that would be another one that they'll be familiar with. Yeah. So Constant Contact as well. Even Salesforce is an ESP, but they're also a CRM because they're huge because they actually bought Cheetah Mail and things like that. So a lot of these CRMs started to actually acquire smaller ESPs to actually start to add to their CRMs. So some of them are a combination of the two. I use Keep. Bless you for using Keep, by the way. I call it Leap. That's what I call it. <laughs> well, I only use it for another business that I had started a while ago, and I'm pretty entrenched, and I know, luckily, what I'm doing and all of that. But I also have Gmail accounts that go with my businesses, which is how I mail things. Okay, so that's different. Okay, so I'm confused. I'm going to let you go. Make some sense of all of this for us. I just gave you a whole bag of like Play-Doh. Can you help us build something here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So number one, to break this down really simple. So you have your ESP, which is your constant contact we'll use. And then you have, you send from Gmail, let's just say, to do your mm -hmm. business. Yeah. Okay. So you have ESP and you have Gmail. Let's use two as examples. Both your ESP and your Gmail are both MTAs. They are both mail transfer agents. 
This is almost like how a brandy, how a brandy is not a cognac, but a cognac is a brandy type of deal. Okay. I don't know if you follow that. I'm liking the symbolism already. So this is really good. (laughs) (laughs) So the ESP and the Gmail are both MTAs. They're both mail transfer agents. Okay. They both transfer mail. That is what they do. But the difference between an ESP and a Gmail is a Gmail limits you to how many emails you can send because it's not built for mass emailing. It's built for what is it? I think you could send out like max a thousand emails at this point from a Gmail, something like that. I don't even know because I never do it that way. But you're limited. So yes, there's a lot of people that actually use, there's softwares out there, things like YesMail or things like that, that you can send email through Gmails. But it's not an ESP because you're limited to how many people you can send to. Yeah, and this is a really good point. I'm going back in my history of my businesses from a long time ago. But I remember, and some people I think are still doing this. So this is a really interesting point to discuss and just clarify is if I were to pull up my Gmail and then I'm going to send to, you're saying it's 100, so let's go with that, 100 people on your list that you have imported into that two column or you've masked the two column by just your name and then you've put them all in your blind carbon copy and you've sent it out that way. Would you kind of say that's the old way of sending email that now doesn't produce good results at all? Number one, I want to say it's not a sustainable way. I understand why people do it in terms, especially for business to business. For business to business is very beneficial because, again, you can sort of kind of bypass spam filters a little bit differently. So it's a different strategy. Okay. Yeah. So as opposed to if you're dealing with business to customer, the first thing you always want to do is the problem with sending from a Gmail is you're not building your reputation with Gmail. So you're not doing anything with that. And on top of that, too, scaling is going to be very hard. So let's just say, okay, now you built a list of 10,000 people. Just imagine you have to replicate a campaign 10 or 20 times. It just doesn't make sense to do that. There's a time and place for everything. So the most important thing to understand with email is it's just getting started. You want the easiest thing to get started with. You don't want to complicate things. So going back to the difference between the ESP and Gmail, those two, the fact that they're both MTAs, but with Gmail, again, you're limited to how much you can send. So whatever it is, you're limited. If your list is growing, it's going to cause you more problems. And on top of that, too, you're not building your reputation. You don't want to sell this asset, let's just say, two or three years down the road. One of the main things that are people are buying with an email is not just the lists, but they're buying the domain. They're buying the reputation. Because that's the whole thing is your ability to hit the inbox. Again, it's not based on which tool you use. It's not based on your email service provider. You don't need any copywriting experience to be really good at email. But you do need to have a great email reputation like anything else. Okay, so this is really interesting. And so your email reputation is built not from your Gmail, but from your email service provider. Well, yeah. Well, just think about when you send from your Gmail. Now, depending now, again, I don't know all the systems out there. I'm sure there's a lot of systems out there that allow you to kind of, I call it hijacking Gmail because that's what you're doing. In all honesty, it's kind of a gray hatted area to actually be doing that. It's not black hat, but it's very, very gray hat because of just the way you're sort of connecting with Gmail and so on and so forth. So that's the thing. So just think about it. When you're sending from Gmail, you're sending from Gmail's domain. When you send from Keep, Infusionsoft, you're sending from your domain. You're building your domain sending reputation. Your business domain. Yes, exactly. So if you're sending, if you're abc.com, 
obviously when you set up your sending domain from your ESP, you want to set it so that it's your business domain or something similar to it, whatever it is you decide to build on it. Because whenever you sell it, that's the domain that's going to be attached to it. As opposed to, this is why one of the things I always tell people is when you're picking an ESP, ESP is like picking a partner. It's like having a relationship. You pick the wrong partner, they'll make your life miserable. You pick the right one, you live a happy life. So I'm worried that we're also confusing our listeners here too. So <laughs> let's take it from the top. Someone has nothing. They have a personal account that's a Gmail account, marysmith at gmail.com. It's just a personal free Gmail account. Now they've started their business and they want to set things up correctly. Where do they go from here? Let's take it from the top right after a word from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Okay, so first thing they want to do is purchase a domain. Purchase, so if it's marysmithcandles at gmail.com, then she can get marysmithcandlesemail.com. She can register that at a GoDaddy, whatever, to register FX domains, even Google, you purchase that domain. You purchase that domain, then you would go to whichever ESP you're most comfortable to start with. Because again, this is not about finding Mr. Right. You're not looking to get married right now. Right now, you want something that's easy enough for you to get started. So anything like a MailChimp, Constant Contact, Clavio, whatever it is, whatever's easy to start with. You get started at that ESP, you sign up, you basically get authenticated. So there's different authentications that you need to go through. You need to set up your SPF. And this, by the way, when it comes to the technical part, I know it's very easy for people to sort of get a little afraid of it, but do not get afraid of it. Trust me, once you go step by step, it's very, very easy. Yeah. And it walks you through how to actually set it up. It's very simple. So you just go through the authentication of SPF records, DKIM. And if they have link authentications and so on and so forth, basically whatever the ESP has for authentication that you can use to authenticate your domain. And that's basically it. So now you're set up. You're set up. So now when you send out your first email, you are building marysmithcandlesemail.com and not Aweber or constantcontact.com. You are building yours. So if you decide tomorrow you don't like Aweber, you say, no problem. You just move to another ESP and you don't have to start all over again because your reputation is built already. It's there. You've built it. And that's it. Okay. That's not hard. I got that. All right. So then you start collecting emails and we've talked about these types of things before. You have it on your website where people can sign up. You're at shows. You may offer a raffle. Make sure that if you're doing raffles, the prize is something that your customer would actually want to buy from you. Like you're not doing an Amazon gift card or something where everyone's going to join and then you have a lot of just unrelated email addresses on your list. Exactly. Bunch of lurkers. Right. But so we get to the point where we've attracted and now we have a little bit of a list. What's your advice now? 
So number one, don't wait for a little list because that's what I hear a lot of people. Like they're always waiting on like, oh, well, okay, until I get to 100, until I get whatever. Don't do that because again, this is all about being able to set up a strategy. Set up a strategy, see what actually works. So one of the first things that, again, always go back to what's the main goal of your email? Yes, we all know the main goal of email is you want to make sales, you want to grow that asset, but the objective of email, what is that? The objective of email is always to maintain that email reputation. You always maintain that positive email rep. That's the objective. And the objective, and now people are going to be like, well, how do you get that email reputation? How do you keep a good email reputation? Well, just like learning how to read and write, learn your ABCs, you got to learn your ABEs of email, which is always be engaging. So this is why. Always be engaging. You always want to remember that. This is why you don't need any copywriting skills. You just need to know to always be engaging, which is mean, get the open, get the click, always get the click, and if you're lucky, get the reply. Now, going back to your original question, when you said, well, you're at a trade show, someone sees you, you have a raffle, yes, something that is tied to your business, which of course, great idea you should be doing. But most importantly, if you see someone at a trade show, if your number one objective is to build that email reputation, from the moment they sign up to the minute they open your first email, it's all about timing. So this is why conditioning users is the most critical thing. So it's not enough that someone just signs up because again, they signed up. Well, okay, well, what happens when you sign up for something? If you don't sign up for something, you forget, you know, what happens two weeks later, you get an email, you're like, who's this person? What is this? You don't pay attention, you delete, you hit spam, you do a bunch of stuff. So it's important from the timing from when they've signed up to when they receive the first communication from you. Correct. It is critical. It's key. Again, it's all about timing. It's all about building that rep. And that's critical because more than likely, if you spent too much time, they're not going to respond. Well, they're not going to respond. They're not going to remember. Right. They're not going to even take that first action. No, they're not. Just think about it. We know this in marketing. At least it's something that you start to learn in marketing, that timing is everything. If someone's in front of you and you just sold them on whatever it is, you know that if you don't close the sale at that point, it's going to be harder and harder to do next time because you have to go through it every single time over and over again. This is why you got them the first time. You're fulfilling this pain and desire for them. Now, the whole point is, remember, it's all about maintaining that email reputation. But not only that, to build that asset, it's all about the more you condition a user. And it's one of those things where I kind of hate making this correlation now, but it is what it is. But just look at conditioning. I mean, we all know the power of conditioning, what it can do to people. Conditioning a user to go back to their email because this is where you build your asset. And it's also important to actually understand the objective of email. So as I mentioned with email, that the objective is never sales because that's what a lot of people are afraid of. They're afraid to email because they're afraid of sales. They're afraid of, oh, how do I sell this? How do I write this? How do I do it? And that's one of their biggest fears is that. I don't want to send too many emails. I don't want to piss people off. I don't want to do this. Whenever it comes to email, people bring a lot of their emotional baggage with them. So this is why it's one of those things that you just have to kind of set it aside. I think it's also because we've had that happen to us. We sign up for something and we either start getting emails that are totally different than what we anticipated we were signing up for, or every single time we open, it's selling. Yeah. It's from experience. I mean, we've all had that. But I do want to ask you just for point of clarification on conditioning. When you say you're conditioning, are you saying you're conditioning your customer to look for you in email versus somewhere else, like social media or wherever, and you're conditioning them that when they open an email, there'll be something of value for them sitting inside? Am I getting that right in terms of conditioning? 
Yes, exactly. That is essentially what it is, is conditioning a user because, again, you want to build that asset. This is more on the ad side. You see a lot of people that are pushing ads, Mm -hmm. so not so much on the organic side. On the paid ad side, you're going to see people that they'll do anything to get the email, and then they'll do anything to keep them down the sales pipeline. But it's like, well, wait a minute, guys. If you're looking to build an email list, why would you keep them going through this sales pipeline? And I understand because, again, they want to make the sale because they want to make the return on investment, not realizing that they're sitting on goldmine in the email, that if they just directed the users back to the email client, they'd be able to start to build that actual goldmine and start to condition a user and actually start building that engagement. But a funnel is also all coming through that email provider. Let's not confuse the funnel. Funnel was more on the paid advertisement side. Oh, okay. If you went to a site, right, and you purchase a t-shirt, people will have you do some sort of discount. You see those bin to win or you get a discount, you enter in your email, and then they you just continue shopping online. There's no directive. Maybe you go back to your email client. Maybe you don't. The point is... There's no direction. Got it. It's just give me and then that's it. And so over on the email side, when you have someone's email, we talk about this all the time, Gabby, is this is something that you own. You own their email and you've got to respect that because they've allowed you to have it. You know, they've given you permission, if you will, to use their email and you need to treat that with respect. Yes. Then over on the email side, what you're saying is take that respect and continue to provide them value so they'll want to continue opening your emails. Yes. It's always about value. But here's the thing about value, okay? Because we hear this word a lot. Oh, give value, give value, give value. What does that mean? Value is very particular because value is not about what you have to bring to the table. It's about, again, understanding your users. It's about understanding your audience. Once again, it's all about understanding the heart. What values do your users have? It's not about value. It's about the value to the reader, to the subscriber. It's not value, it's value them. Yes, that's it. Because we have this five point framework where because a lot of times with students and clients, when we go through emails. How do you know if an email is good? Like, how do you assess if it's any good? How do you know if it's optimized? So we have this five point basically framework where one of the five points is ego versus benefit. We've all seen this. You read an email and you can sense the ego versus benefit. Let me show the award that we just got at X show. Exactly. Or look at what we have on discount. All ego. It's look at me, look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Those emails still get results. And that's the problem is those emails still get results. But they need to be balanced, I think. It can't be every single email or the entire email. Maybe it's just a portion. Because something like if you won an award, that shows credibility of the product. Sure. But not all your messaging shouldn't be that way. Exactly. This is why we have five points. Like, listen, you can't be 100% benefit. There's always a balance. But if 80% of the email, we have a scoring system. It's very simple. You can tell if it's mostly ego, mostly benefit. And that's the deal is if it's mostly ego, then already you're going to start to lose people. Because again, this isn't about you. People are not opening up the emails to hear about what you did yesterday. No one cares about you. Right. And this is the big deal with brands because a lot of people will try to emulate brands like, oh, look at Nike and look at this. It's like, listen, I'll tell you, these guys, the brands of the world are the first people to leave millions of dollars on the table. We're talking millions of dollars on the table. They're the first people who make mistakes. Don't model yourself after people. Don't look at whatever. It's good to get inspiration. The most important thing is to understand how the system works and what the objectives are. When I started an email service provider, I didn't know copywriting was until I got into the internet marketing game probably about five years ago. With close to 10 years, I ran an agency. I never knew what copywriting was. I was like, I just stuck to my basics of what psychology taught me in terms of conditioning, understanding people and then getting them to engage because it doesn't take much to get people to engage. 
it comes down to taking that extra two minutes or that extra 30 seconds to understand what is it that our people are looking for and just provide that. So what do you think about length of emails? Does that matter? Oh, 100%. I have a saying. <laughs> you can always go wrong with long. Always. Always go wrong with long. You want to keep it short because, again, if the objective of email is to build that email reputation and if your objective is to always be engaging, let me ask you this. Would it make your life easier if I told you that in every single email you sent that your only objective was to sell the click versus sell the product? Do you think your life would be easier? Yeah. There you go. By saying sell the click, it means getting the person who opened the email and then whatever link there is in that email where you're directing them, maybe it's a link to a product, whatever the link is going to, that's the click. Sell the click, Gabby. If there was one piece of advice, you have no experience, because the only people I'm going to tell you right now to sell you on copywriting are copywriters. <laughs> Those are the only people that are going to try to sell you. Well, but I do like some of the fun wording and all of that, but it can't be long. It needs to be fast. I don't know if I'd say it gets old, but I totally relate to what you're talking about. Again, this comes in the five-point framework that we have is, again, it's all about being able to sell that click. It's cow versus milk, and that's what we do. So in an email, when we review, this is why I always give a visual. Are you giving away the cow or are you letting them taste the milk? What are you doing? If you're giving away the cow, you're not giving them any reason to click. Sorry, sometimes I get a little bit aggressive when I get into like my work mode. No, I'm liking this. <laughs> Keep going. Permission granted. Go. <laughs> yeah, but that's what it is. So we have that five-point framework. You've referenced the five points a couple of times. Are you willing to share them with us? Oh, absolutely. We call this the MP5. It's the Maverick Power 5. Number one, when you're reviewing an email, first thing you always want to look for is, is it focused? Are you talking about one idea? Because you'll notice a lot of times in emails, people are talking about like 50 different things. So you have to be speaking about one idea. And number two, is that pain or desire of the email clearly demonstrated? There has to be a clear pain or desire demonstrated. Number three, are there yeses? Your users have to subscribers need to be saying yes in their head while they're reading it. You can ask an actual yes question or they just need to be agreeing in their head. Or they can see themselves in what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. As long as it's a yes. Number four is cow versus milk. It's when you're reading an email, are you giving away the cow? Are you giving them everything in an email or are you just letting them taste the milk? Mm -hmm. And last but not least, as I mentioned, the ego versus benefit. That's, again, another way. So these five points will help you gauge, oh, okay, is my email built for engagement? No, because that's the objective. The emails have to be built to actually engage to get people to click. And this kind of ties in with your other question, which is, can you go along with email? One way that you want to test with that is basically testing different links to actually see how far down the rabbit hole people will actually go. But that's something that I usually work with people afterwards because it's first sending an email with one sentence. Show me that you can destroy your click-through rate just by sending a one-sentence email because that's the most important thing is once you know how to get engagement with one sentence, then you can flower it up a little bit. Oh, absolutely. But the whole point is less is more when it comes to email. And there's a time and place for longer emails, by the way. But as a rule of thumb, it's always less is more. Understand email's place in the online world. Okay, it's not a sales page. To make your life simple, what do you need to do in an email? I know what you need to do. You need to sell the click. Sell the click. 
That is it. I see trending going to very short paragraphs, maybe one or two sentences for a paragraph versus the old days of all this long information. That's right on target. And then I also hear that most people, and I know I do this, skim an email. Kind of want to know what this is about. Why am I reading it? And then if I'm not exactly sure, I want to know more, then I'll go back and read it word for word. That's what people don't realize. It's a display medium. We don't live in an ideal world where if you have a thousand person list and you're using MailChimp, it's not like those thousand people are going to see your email. Again, you have to work to get in front of them. Gmail is not going to just say, okay, here. No, you have to work to actually get in front of them and even use your experience. When you open up an email, you see a long email. It's, I want to read this. It's like, no, you don't want to read this. There are some people who love it and then there's other people who don't. So this is why it's like, listen, you cannot cater to every single one of your users. You cannot do that. So don't do some short and some long? No, no, you should do that. No, no, absolutely. Oh, okay. But what I'm saying is a good rule of thumb. If you don't know what you're doing yet in terms of how long you can take your emails, always stick to your basic framework for email, which is selling that click to actually get the user to wherever page you need to, because that's the most important part is just getting the user to that actual page. But in terms of testing the actual length, as I mentioned, that's something that I kind of go a little bit more detail in, into my course. You don't want to overthink it. Yeah. Just keep it really simple in terms of sticking to why people came to you, like, the pain or desire, like again, just selling that click. If today you're looking to sell the cup and the whole point is being able to sell the click to actually get to the actual cup. Maybe you have five ways to reuse old cups or whatever it is. Something that simple, whatever it is, just something to get them the same way that you would see an ad online because that's all email is. Email is a display medium. You see something, you go to it. That is it. We're going to test me with your MP5. Focused means it should be a single topic, single action that you're looking for, single idea, like chapters of a book almost. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. a single thing. Okay. Second is pain or desire. What is the reason why the person is going to take their precious time and look and go through it? So it has to relate to something that they are needing or a solution that they would have. Correct. Something that they value. Yeah. Three, are they continually affirming what you're saying? They see themselves in the wording. They agree with your comments. They're saying yes. There's that psychology that when people agree, 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 they naturally go on to the next step. And since we're trying to sell the click, that kind of feels like mentally you're setting them up to naturally go for the click. Exactly. Yes. So that's the three. Mm -hmm. The four is, but hold back. Don't tell them everything because there's no reason for them to click if you've given it all in the email. There you go. Yes. Okay. So that's four. And five, make sure that you're not focusing on yourself and how good you are and how great your products are, even though we know they are, mm -hmm. you need to be focusing on what the reason is that that's important to the reader. Exactly. There you go. Okay. Perfect. This is golden. Thank you so much. This is great information. I do have a problem though. Yes. My problem is what if my emails aren't being opened? That's a good question. Number one, you need to understand why your emails are not being opened. We have to first lay the groundwork. You're not going to get 100% open rates. That's not even realistic. No, I mean, the only time you'll get 100% open rates, unless just a username or password type of deal where people have to get an account information. That's the only time you get 100% because people need that email to actually log into something. 
That's the only time. Would you put a stake in the ground as to what range is good? Yes. It depends on two things. Volume, because that's the one thing that people don't realize, okay, is everyone always talks about these great open rates and click-through rates, but no one ever looks at the numbers. No one looks at the volume. Oh, I'm getting to that. <laughs> Just do wait. I'm getting there. Oh, yeah. It's like you have this number porn that goes around, especially in the e-com space, because they're all about the number porn, how much sales they're making, not understanding profit and all that. So it's important to actually understand that volume is very, very important. Niche is very, very important as well. Not as critical, but the volume is really, really going to be critical and the type of traffic. So if someone had 100 people on their email list and they have 70 people opening because it's a lot of friends and family right now, 70% sounds great. But someone then who has 1,000 and 70 people open, if I'm doing my numbers right, that's 7%. Correct. Yeah. It's still the same raw number of people opening, but it's against a bigger number. And so the 7% against the 1,000 lists doesn't feel as great. How does that play out into what you're saying with volume? And that's the whole point is to understand the actual volume. The other thing too here is you'd mentioned open rates. Mm-hmm. A lot of them will come to me because they're like, oh, my open rates start to decrease, la, la, la. And one of the other questions I ask them is, what is your click-through rate? And then they'll go blank. Well, I don't know what my click-through rate is. Well, maybe they didn't even have any links in the email to start with. It's possible. But then again, there's a problem. Basically, the reason why I'm saying that is because it just goes to show the level of understanding about email. Again, if you don't understand, it's like going to Vegas with a million dollars going to the craps table or to blackjack but not knowing how to play right and you're just like mm, here's money you're just throwing you know maybe you win some maybe you don't but the point is you don't know but maybe you lose vegas you totally broke afterwards and it's because you don't understand how to actually play the game going back to the actual volume itself I do have a guideline in terms of if any lists are under 10,000, like when you're dealing with a list of 100, like that's obviously your numbers are going to be big. Anything under 10,000, it's typically a rule of you can usually get open rates. An ideal open rate that you want to be aiming for is about 25 to about 35%. That would be ideal. But the other thing too is you always want to be looking at your click-through rates. So your click-through rates, if anything, under 10,000 people, your click-through rates, you want to be aiming for anywhere from between 3 to about 10%. Because the clicks is where everything is. Kind of like a catch-22, especially opening your emails. It's like, well, how do you get people to click if no one's opening? And vice versa. But that's the most important thing is to really understand that your focus always has to be on selling that click. And going back to the open rates... The open rates is once you understand how everything works, it's just a matter of understanding, okay, is it a deliverability issue? Because it could be most of the time, if you're not getting the opens you want, it's because you have a deliverability issue. Wait, before we go there, I do have a question for you. I think a lot of people know how to see their open rates. You know, it's something that all service providers are showing. How do you see your click-through rates? Well, most email service providers show click-through rates. The only thing is you need to make sure, because I believe if I'm not mistaken, and don't quote me on this, because I, I want to say it was constant contact, but it was one of the big ESPs that used to, instead of showing click-through rates, they show you click-to-open rates, which is so deceptive and so wrong and so misleading. Click-to-open is just opening your email, reading the email. Well, yeah, it's click to open, but it's very deceiving because a click through rates, which is the proper metric, because that is based on the amount that you sent versus click to open rate, which is the click to the amount of people that actually opened your email. Oh, yeah. Which is very deceptive. So then you open, you're like, wow, I got this amazing click through rates. 80% open rate, and I got a 35% click through rate. And it's like, mm, yeah, you should check that. See if it's click through rate or click to open rates. Because 
Email service providers, like I said, their job is to provide a service, which is to send emails. So the more you send, the more you make. They don't care if you make money, if you have deliverability issues, they don't care. We need to be looking at our clean open rates and then also the clicks. So there's that. But now let's get into this whole deliverability issue. Ugh, this makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> Why does it make you sick? Because I feel there are a lot of emails that we send, and I'll tell you why in a second, that people don't even have a chance to see because they're landing in the promotion folder of Gmail or the spam folder. And the reason I say that is two reasons. Number one, I'll have people saying, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I was actually looking for this email and I never found it. So then we have to go to your promotion folder, go to your, like all that. And then the other reason is I'll go to my own promotion folder and mm -hmm. so many emails that I really want that I have to move over into my primary folder. And then two weeks later, they're back into the promotion folder. Mm -hmm. Can you tell I'm a little irritated about it? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But you also said something very important at the same time. Is your main frustration, okay, obviously for them ending up their promo tab and spam. Right. If they're not going to be interested in an opening, I want to know that because I want to talk to you afterwards. Maybe our final thing will be cleaning your list. Mm -hmm. But that's okay because people might sign up because they want a download that I've given them. And the value came in the download. But you know what? Right now, they don't want my other stuff. They don't want to know about the podcast. They're not lo really looking at starting a business. But as long as I know that they've seen it and had a choice, and I'm feeling like I don't have control over actually being able to show them for them to be able to say yes or no, that's where my frustration is. Okay. Those are all very valid. One thing you always want to avoid doing, which is not to say that it's a bad thing, because one thing that I heard you saying is you really, really want to make sure that people see your emails. And that is a critical thing. You, obviously, the whole point is you want people to see your email. Not all your emails are going to get in front of everyone out all the time. Okay. It's a numbers game. It's the way it is. This is why it's important to understand, number one, if it really is a deliverability issue. You had mentioned something really, really critical, which is the promo tab. And that's the thing that people always ask, so the promo tab, what about that? I remember when the promo tab first came out in 2006. Trust me, I was not happy for two weeks. I'm not going to lie to you, we struggled. But two weeks afterwards, we were back to business as usual. The promo tab, okay, so Gmail has tried to kill. They hate email. They have tried to kill it. Not once. They tried to kill it with Wave. I'm not sure if you remember Wave. They came out with Wave about 15 years ago to kill email. It didn't work. And then they tried the promo tab to kill it once again. It didn't work. Because what happens when you are unable to find your favorite email? Where do you go? I go to the promo tab. Exactly. But I don't go there every day. And so there's things that go down the list that I might have wanted to see, but I'll never have a chance to see it. And I guarantee you, most of our listeners, customers, will never even think of ever going in that promo tab. And there's a lot of assumptions about the promo tab. The promo tab, you have to look at it this way. It's still the inbox. People have, at this point, been conditioned that if they don't find it in the promo, if they don't find it in their primary, they're going to go to promo. They even did a study on this. Trust me, this is something that we monitor on a daily basis. We monitor, I don't worry about my stuff going to promo. My stuff goes into promo all the time. I don't care <laughs> because it's still inbox. My opens and my click-through rates, they might suffer a little bit in terms of, okay, if my normal open rate was 25%, okay, maybe it went down to 23%. But it's not major. It's not major enough to be like, oh, this is a major problem. 
What is a major problem is deliverability. Because I've had a few clients with Infusionsoft, the deliverability is definitely an issue. Oh, stab me in the heart, Gabby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being realistic in terms of like, I've dealt with these guys. So define deliverability. Well, deliverability is just one definition. You have delivery, which you hear a lot of ESPs talking about. They're like, oh, we have 99% delivery. Which means you send an email, it actually gets to where it's supposed to go. Once again, the only job the email service provider has, their only job is that if you have a thousand person email list and all those thousand people are valid, then those thousand people get delivered. Okay. But delivery does not mean deliverability. So this is why they they manipulate you into thinking that 99% means 99% people will see your emails. No, that's not true. Deliverability is ending up in inbox. That's deliverability. It's your inbox placement rate. So it's like putting an envelope in a mailbox. Mm Mm-hmm. And having someone open it on the other end. Actually knowing that someone opened it. Knowing that someone opened it. Okay. Yes. So once again, the ESP, just imagine if you're going to use the envelope, the ESP is the mailman. That's all he is. So if you're using the envelope as Mm -hmm. you're receiving mail, the ESP would be the mailman who would basically sending the actual email that would be delivering the envelope. Delivering it into your mailbox at home. Exactly. But once again, you have to actually see it. What happens if you open up your mailbox and you have a bunch of junk stuff in there, you go through it, maybe you throw some out, maybe you keep some in and so on and so forth. It's just important to actually understand the difference in terms of terminology. Delivery just means it's being actually delivered. Deliverability is the actual role, the person actually seeing the email and actually being delivered into the inbox. Very different. And still having the decision to be made to open it or not. Oh, yeah. You still have to open it or not. Deliverability is before actually opening. So it's deliver, deliverability, open, click. Correct. Yes. And then, of course, if you want to avoid deliverability issues, because again, In email, you always have an easy or you have a hard way. Now, remember, I came from the hard way of email, meaning I came from the affiliate world. And this is why I know you're sitting on a gold mine, because I was the person who, let's just say you had an email list, thriving business, but you have an email list, but you don't know what you're doing. So I would take your email list and I would monetize it for you. That is what I did for over 10 years. I monetized other people's email list. That's how I got all the experience. That's how I got the experience at the ESP, because that's what I was doing at the email service provider clients, right? I was helping them with their strategies and how to email and so on and so forth. So this is why I know you're sitting on a gold mine is that I've managed this for thousands of people back in the day. And one thing you don't want to ever do, I wouldn't say don't want to do it, but you want to avoid giving away your email list to other people to be able to manage. You don't want to give it to an agency because at the end of the day, anytime you let someone else touch your list, you're subjecting that list to a possibility of, again, of being stolen of anything. Remember, this is your data. This is your people. You don't want to just give it away. Well, first off, they're trusting you when they give you their email address. That's number one. Yeah. And secondly, long, hard-earned email addresses. It's a big asset. Getting back to the deliverability. Yes. It varies based on your service provider, it sounds like you're saying. No. Remember, everything always goes back to your email reputation. Let me break it down this way. If you want your emails to be seen, it's all about hitting the inbox. Right, which is deliverability. And deliverability is based not on your email service provider, not on the tools that you use, but on your email reputation. How do you keep your email reputation high? You always be engaging. You get the open, you get the click. And if you're lucky, you get the reply. And what's your objective for every single email is to keep that engagement rate high. How do you do it? Sell the click. If you have a good reputation for deliverability, then new emails that are going to go with your next email that you're sending 
have a higher probability of landing in the inbox because your deliverability reputation is high. Correct. And the other thing too that I should mention is your email reputation, like anything else, changes every time you send an email. So this is why there's no like set it or forget it. This is why there's no perfect DSPs because every time you send an email, your reputation changes. So this is why, just as a good guideline, this is why you always want to sell the click. If you want to avoid deliverability, and you may not ever be able to avoid 100%, because even I, even at some point, like I'm going to suffer deliverability issues, but I know exactly how to get out. For me, it's not an issue. I spent 10 years going in and out of spam folders, not a problem. Let's say your deliverability is poor. Yes. And to make it better, you have to increase your reputation. And to increase your reputation, you need to have people taking action, opening and selling the click. But how can you get them to even see it to increase your reputation if your deliverability is already low? Mm, the catch-22 right there. Is- I don't mean for you to give away all the goodness, but I'm just trying to understand how it all works. Yeah, it's your typical catch-22. It's like, what do you do? You're stuck in the spam folder. How do you get out? You don't need to pay a great copywriter for email. What you need is patience. That is what you need is patience. When it comes to resolving deliverability issues, it just comes down to understanding the strategy that you need to do in order to get out, which is, once again, it's just focusing on engagement. And it's not about quantity. So a lot of people think, well, you know, I have this list of whatever it is, 10,000 people. It's not a matter of sending to all this 10,000 people. That's not what it's a matter about. The Gmails and the Yahoos of the world, remember, all of these people, the Gmails, the Yahoos, the AOLs, they don't speak to one another. Depending on your email list makeup, depending also on your deliverability issues, you may only be maybe not delivering to Gmail, but your other ones may be doing perfectly well. That's the deal is it's a matter of just focusing on the engagement, revising the strategy to just focus on the active people, the actual people that are engaging. All the Gmails of the world want to see that, yeah, people want to receive the emails. One of the reasons why we don't offer deliverability services, we do not do that. And you'll see a lot of people online if you go to whatever, Upwork or whatever, you're going to find people that will solve deliverability for you, especially if you're suffering from deliverability, depending on how bad it is. You can't solve it in a one shot. This is why we don't do it. So you can come to me, you're suffering deliverability issue, I solve it for you. But guess what? If you don't fix your bad habits, it's just going to keep happening. This is why I wrote the book because I was like, listen, no one can solve your deliverability unless it is very something specific. Like, okay, there was a link that was being flagged or whatever. We change it. No, sending practices are great. You're doing everything. But it was just a link that was getting flagged, whatever it is. So in that case, yes, deliverability can be solved. But nine out of 10 cases when people come to me for deliverability issues because they don't understand email. They're listening to the gurus. They're listening to the ESPs of the world. Listen, you can solve deliverability. Deliverability can literally, we've solved it in minutes, okay? It's a matter of understanding what the problem is and how to fix it. It is possible if your emails have been landing the spam folder, when you start fixing things, those emails to those same people who have already been going to the spam folder at some point may miraculously show up in the inbox if you have patience. Correct. Absolutely. They will go back into the inbox 100%. It's just a matter of, once again, it's just a matter of just patience. MP5. That's the guideline that we use in terms of just understanding the framework of an email. Anyone can do this. And you can even do this now. The best practice is looking at other people's mistakes. So just go through your emails, go through your spam folder, go through your inbox, and you can definitely start to see even people that are whatever it is, even emails that you like, you could be like, hmm, this email could be a lot better. Because at the end of the day, if 100 people click in on your email and you have a whatever it is, let's just say a 2% conversion rate, 
what happens when you think you send 300 people now with that same conversion rate, 300 clicks? What do you think now is going to happen to your revenue with that same conversion rate? So we can all learn just by going into our spam folder and seeing who's there and then looking and trying to figure out why that is and not doing that. Yeah, it's not even figuring out the why. By going through the MP5, you can see it. They're not engaging. They don't understand their users. They don't understand how email works because a lot of them will just pick an email service. Well, they pick Clavio. Oh, Clavio inboxes. That's what everyone talks about. Take MailChimp, right? And they just don't go any further than that. And then they'll send out their first couple of emails and they'll be like, oh, wow, we're getting great open rates, great click-through rates. And then a couple of days later, they'll be like, oh, our open rates are down. I guess email doesn't work. Email sucks. Well, you know what? I got other things to do. And then they'll go focus on something else. And people will say that about Facebook ads and everything. You know, you try it, it doesn't work for you. It's always easy to blame what you're using versus that maybe you're not using it properly, which I believe you talked about in the very beginning. So really quickly, I'm looking at the time. I've kept you so long, but I am loving this because I'm hearing things I've never heard before. Incredibly interesting to me. Just really quickly, touch on cleaning your list. Email hygiene is one of those, I always like to explain it almost like, you know, imagine you get your dream house right at the beach. If you're going to get a dream house close to the beach, then chances are you probably get some flood insurance just in case. I want to protect that, that beautiful dream house. Well, I'd be buying a boat, but go ahead. <laughs> you do something to protect that dream. Listen, you're going to spend all this money on the lead. And we're talking more on the paid side. The organic, obviously, you're not. But on the paid side, it's like you just paid whatever it is, three, three, four dollars for a lead. One penny to protect that lead. Because again, your email reputation is being built where you ever sent that first email. So even before you ever press send, your email reputation, the Gmails of the world are already saying, hmm, <laughs> Mary's candles. I don't know if she's going to be any good. Because again, the Gmails of the world, they don't care if people signed up to Mary's candles because they love Mary's candles. They don't care. Gmail is just a machine. There's no people that look at your email. It's a machine that looks at your email, doesn't care. It only knows one thing. Did this person engage? Yes or no. Is this person valid? Yes or no. Okay. So this is why going to hygiene. The hygiene aspect, it is really critical. And the reason why I say your reputation is being built beforehand is because even before you send that email, the Gmail, so the world already know if that email exists or not. And their logic to them, because again, it's not a person, it's a computer logic. Remember, you're not dealing with people logic, you're dealing computer logic. Computer logic says, well, if this email address is incorrect, that means Mary Candles harvested this email. She's a spammer. That's their logic. So this is why I always tell people, listen, just the extra penny, take that extra penny, make sure that email is valid. Because again, people make mistakes. How many times does your phone autocorrect? How many times do you have like fat fingers at a point that slips, whatever? It happens. So you're talking then about like hard bounces and things like that that happen? Correct. That's a hard bounce. That's part of hygiene. You have two folds of hygiene. You have hygiene before you send, and then you have hygiene afterwards. Which is when you'd know if they bounced. Correct. But the whole point is you want to avoid doing that because if you send an email that is not valid to Gmail, like I said, you're not dealing with people logic. You're dealing with your logic. How do you run your list through? Are there checkers or something that you run your list through to make sure that they're all valid? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's services out there. Yes. You got to tell us. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that. Sorry. I'm sorry. There's a lot of things here I take for granted. Like, as I mentioned, I've been doing it for such yeah. a long time, but uh, yes. Hygiene. Yes, there are companies out there. We recommend X-Verify. 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 Is, I would never recommend anyone that, number one, I never use myself. I learned mm -hmm. that the hard mm -hmm. way and that I do not know or trust. So I know the people there. I trust the people there because as I mentioned, anytime you put your email, especially your email list, when you expose your email list to any third-party provider, you are exposing your list to anyone who can potentially steal it. I mean, don't be consumed with it. 
but it's definitely something to be concerned with. So how often should you go through? For verification, it's only the first time. And it's not something you have to do. X-Verified's great. You can actually just put a piece of script on your page and it'll automatically, when someone's typing in their email, it'll actually live check. So if someone does have fat fingers, it'll be like, oops. <laughs> oh, I understand. Okay, I got it. I got it. So it's not like you're sending your whole list there and they're running a scrub on it or something. No, 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 no. You can do it that way. So what we would recommend is, again, so you have the verification that's pre-sent and then you have the verification after. So let's just say you've been dormant for, I don't know, two months. You haven't sent any emails. What you can do is if you've been dormant for anything over about 30 days, then you should definitely verify. You should put your email list through a verification process just to be safe. Okay. Like I said, it's always to err on the side of caution. What does it cost? Like a couple of bucks to get it err on the side of caution. Just do that. So you can do that where you can upload your entire list and it'll scrub it for you. If you haven't emailed in a long time, or you can do it on the live. We always suggest people listen, just do it on the live one because it's easier. You don't, you don't have to even think about it. It's automatically done. You're not doing any scrub process. It's automatically being done when you don't even see it. Do services like lead pages and all of that, can you connect X-Verify to things like that where they're entering in emails outside of your website? That's a good question. I'd have to double check. I know it's a simple script. So as long as the provider, whatever, if you're using lead pages, if you can, then you should technically be able to. But if not, that's the easiest way. We don't have to go too crazy here. I just do want to talk about cleaning. We're in the middle of cleaning our list right now, and we're getting ready to delete like thousands of people because they haven't opened for two years. I'll give you some free advice if you like here. Okay. Yes. So there's a couple of things that you can do. We always like to do, it depends on how aggressive of a win back campaign you want to get. Because again, you earned this list. I wouldn't say you earned this list, but you built this list. It's good to actually know what you can get out of it. I did earn it. I mean, like a lot of the people that are on the list are either people gotten freebies from us or attended my webinars that go into my master classes because we get thousands of people who sign up for that. And then that was it. Like that's all that happened. This is why conditioning is really key because it's all about being able to wean out those, those people that really, really are interested and not just the lurkers, mm -hmm. but that's, you know, a strategy for afterwards. It's like, okay, and kind of learned your mistakes a little bit. Now let's see how you can use a different strategy. So for you, what I would suggest if you're looking to get rid of thousands of people, what I would do is a basic kind of win back strategy. Do you have SMS data or only email data? Only email. Okay. Only email that what I would basically do is depending on how dormant they are. Granted, you know, I don't know how your email reputation is right now. If you have a good email reputation, then you can do this. But what I would do first is I would do a very, very simple win back campaign. And what I would do is I would actually bucket your users depending on how many you have. Mm -hmm. So let's just say if you query your database and I don't know, let's just say you have like 10,000, we'll say inactives. Mm -hmm. right? Last thing you want to do is send to that 10,000 inactives because guess what? They've already proven that they're inactive. So none of them will get delivered. Well, it's not that, but your email reputation is going to take a hit, right? So you don't want to do that. Oh. Okay. Because what yeah. happens if you send an email, no one opens, no one clicks. You remember? Mm -hmm. Your email reputation is being gauged every single time you send an email. Typically what I would like to do is, if, this is why I asked you if you had SMS data, because what I always like to do is use all of your social media channels, not, don't use them against each other. Use them to complement one another. Because that's what people don't do is they don't use email to complement. So what I always do is what you can do in this case is since you already have those users, what I would do is I would suggest that you do a very simple, even just do a very simple re-engagement campaign on Facebook. 
whatever it is, take those 10,000 people that haven't opened and clicked and just do an ad targeting directly them because you can target them directly. Yes, I know. And I have. I do that. So that's yes. good. Okay. So take them and do an engagement campaign on Facebook because they're obviously proving that they're not opening the email. Yet. But you don't know why yet. Right. Because again, I'm going on the assumption that your deliverability is okay, but I'm going to set a bet that your deliverability probably could be improved. Oh, sure. Of course it can. I'll just use everyone's that yeah. can be improved, okay? So just thinking about that, again, like these 10,000 people, they're probably not all going to match on Facebook, but it doesn't matter. You don't need all 10,000. You just need to move the needle a bit. Run a re-engagement campaign on Facebook, but again, again, the objective is to get them back in their email. So they see a Facebook campaign, what's the directive going to be? It's going to be, we have something for you, blah, 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 blah. You could be sending them to a page first, but again, the whole objective is to get them back into their email clients. You want to avoid any sort of freebie incentive again. You know what I'm saying? Granted, just test different incentives because at this point, you don't really care about the incentive. You just need to get the engagement. So just test the different mm -hmm. incentives, get them to a landing page. And on that landing page, again, it's the whole point is we got something for you. Land it on this page, check your email now, we got something for you. And that's going to ignite them again as click. You can base your win back strategy on that. So all these people now that have engaged on that ad that have now opened and clicked, you can use that for your win back strategy mm -hmm. and use that as a promotion for the next three to five days to be like, listen, okay, you were interested in this campaign. You signed up. You still want to improve your life, blah, 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 all that great stuff. This is how you do it. And you can push that for two or three days. And then afterwards, at the end of the three days, you archive the data. The people that haven't responded, you archive. You don't delete the data and delete it off your ESP, but then archive the right. data because that data is still, trust me, okay, I used data from 15 years ago and still I hadn't emailed it in 15 years. It still made money. It still responded. So are you archiving it by just like downloading it as an Excel file or something? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what we are doing. Okay. Yeah. So you download it, you archive it, you save it for a rainy day because you never know. These are people that have already proven that they're interested in something that you have. Not to be confused, I want to make sure our listeners understand, not to be confused with people who have said they want to be opted out, who have unsubscribed. Those guys have to go. You have no choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the unsubscribes, that's your suppression file. That's one thing, too, that people, it's a good thing that you actually brought that up because that's one thing that people forget actually bring over when they switch ESPs is they'll start to actually upload the unsubscribes as well, not realizing that they need to suppress those. Hopefully that made sense in terms of the win back strategy. Yes, it totally does. I love it. This came at such a great time because we've been going through this and tagging and figuring it out. I have two companies on one list, so we've got to break up the companies and like there's a bunch of stuff we needed to do. I'm doing a lot right. There are things that we can do better. This has been so incredible because I love when I'm learning things that I've never heard before because I've been in business for a long time. I've been exposed to, man, I was in business before there was even email and we were talking about what, mail through the computer? Like, you know, all of that. And not that I know everything by a long shot, but I've been exposed to so many things. But a lot of this has been new, Gabby. Incredibly interesting. I appreciate you taking so much time with us. I do want to close out by you telling us some more about your book because I'm quite sure that there are going to be people interested in getting. So share a little bit more about that. Sure woke up one day and I was like, you know what? The world needs this. I'm like, every single person that has an email list needs this. I was like, you know what? Let me just write the book. Let me just write the book in a very kind of 
simple way. Because as you can tell, I mean, I love email, but it can be a little bit technical. And sometimes I can get a little bit too nitty gritty, which most people, especially if they're running a business, they want to get into the nitty gritty. They just want the higher level. So this is why I wrote the book because I was like, you know what? Everyone that has an email list needs this, wants this as a foundation because this is your foundation. Okay, it's like anything else. You're building a house. You need to know how deep the foundation, how to build it. This is it. Because again, it's all about hitting that inbox. And this is when I came up with a system because I was like, listen, okay, I can either be fighting deliverability all day, which I don't want to be doing, or I could actually be growing the business. Very, very easy book. It's about only about 60 pages long. It's two hours of audio. So you can just sit back, relax, learn about email marketing, learn everything that you need about the foundation. And then that will give you enough. Is your book available on Amazon? It's not on Amazon. No, it's available on my website because it's through a PDF and it's through an audiobook. Okay, perfect. And your website is? Emailmaverick.com. And GiftBiz listeners, you know that that's going to be in the show notes. So you can just go reference it over there in case you don't have a pen and paper. You can write that down now. Gabby, like I am beyond thankful, <laughs> like I said earlier, for all of this information, things I didn't know. I understand email so, so, so much better. Where have you been for so long? <laughs> I'm here. I'm, I'm hiding. It's like everyone always talks about like who's behind the curtain. It's like, well, it's me behind the curtain. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Yeah, no worries. Thank you, Sue. Okay. Let's see how good we were as students. I warned you already. There is a one question pop quiz. You ready? What is the single purpose of any email? Dun, 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 dun. Answer, to sell the click. If you got it right, a gold star next to your name today. I don't know about you, but I've gone through this information twice already, and I'm seeing our email strategy in an entirely different light. I know it's busy season right now. Maybe mark this episode as saved so you can come back and focus on the direction here more after things calm down. It's definitely one not to just hear, but actually take action on. Next week, we are switching our focus to social media. As if our focus is ever off social media. I took a strong stand in our conversation on some of the Instagram things I'm seeing, and Bobby challenged me to revise my thinking a little bit. I'm wondering if you feel the same way about this that I do, or did, because by the time this airs, I may have just put up my first Instagram reel. We'll see. <laughs> Thanks so much for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, please leave a rating and review. That means the world to me and helps the show get seen by more makers. So it's a great way to pay it forward. And now be safe and well, and I'll see you next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. 
Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 